Hello, wonderful listeners. Creating this platform is a labor of love influenced by my journey with stage three melanoma, which I was able to discover ways to improve my physical, mental, and spiritual health. Through this chapter, discovering a purpose to help individuals in a more direct way. By donating to Patreon, you're helping Wellness by Design Group to produce quality content, bring exciting guests, and improve the show. Your donations and contributions ensure that Wellness by Design Group can keep informative episodes coming and maintain a high standard we all love. We are all grateful for any and all that you do to help. Thank you. Welcome, friends, family, and guests to the Wellness by Design Group podcast. I'm your host, Rob Moffitt. Welcome, Robert. Robert VDH. Yeah, Robert VDH. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Wellness by Design Group. I'm excited to have you. Um, This is an exciting day. First one in the books, starting right now. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah. So uh, let's start off real quick is, you know, who is Robert? Well, first, I always tell people I'm a a parent. I'm a dad first, Uh, a family man. And that's, you know, once we get in the story, that's why, that was my why for all of this. Sure. Uh, in my past life, I was an entrepreneur. I, I was I was a, a servant of the hustle, so to speak. You know, I wanted to to do big things, uh, and you learn over time that that's a sacrifice more than a gain. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, and right now, what I do is I'm a coach, a facilitator. Um, I like to say around stress management and sure. education, and I use specific tools around that. Right. So the specific tools is breath work or breath awareness. In cold water immersion, the popular term is ice baths. Sure. That's awesome. Um, and you talked about the grind, and you and I do have a little bit of a similar background of design. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked about how we believe that actually is valuable to the space. Yes. Because we've learned how to use creativity to solve problems. That's the biggest thing is problem solving, right? right. And it's not a one-trick pony. We got to look at a different angle. It's just mm-hmm. like design and how it's being approached, and and so it's, I feel like that's just like our health. We mm-hmm. need to look at different angles and and try things and live. You know, learn mm-hmm. really and, and what works and what doesn't work. And just like design, you can't take that solution and just apply it over here. You have to come up with a new solution. Yeah, and I I really do. I'm very thankful that I do have a past or history in design. Because it allows me to wear multiple pair of glasses, right? Perception and perspective, right? To be able to be like, hey, if this is not working, there's, there's got to be different modalities, different principles that I don't know yet and to seek that out. And I think as a designer, that's part of your strength, knowing that, okay, if this doesn't work, let's try a, a one, a two, a three until you find it. Right. And I think that really did help me when I kind of came to my fork in the road about like, okay, there's got to be a solution that I'm not seeing that I don't know about. And I'm willing to take the time and effort to go learn, right? And I think as a designer, that's what you do at the same time. Exactly. And you talked about the tools being breath work is one of them and then cold immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, you also talked about you know, over the time is um, exercise. Yeah. Movement. Yeah, I think exercise, um, I think we all understand the benefits of exercise, right? Cognitively, we understand that we need to get our, our 20 minutes a day, be it walking, whatever your definition of moving is. But as I started to cross into the space of stress management, I didn't realize that a huge impact of movement is a tool around stress management, right? 
Um, but I think one of the big misnomers is, especially because I came from the space of high intensity, right? Interval training. Right. That's a stressor, right? It's a big stressor on the body. So that can also be overdone. So I think one thing is to be aware of what's beneficial for your body and what's not, what's tearing it down. And then to lean more on the recovery aspect of movement. So right. for instance, uh, I know a lot of my clients are like, you must be doing like three or four hit workouts a week. A majority of my workouts are walking. Like literally, it's just movement. That's all I need. Well, I like to talk about walking because I, I think it's very underrated yes. in a lot of space. Um, you know, I, I found walking is part of my therapy um, in general, both physically and mentally. And especially when I was going through my treatment, it's really all I could do. Mm -hmm. And it, I was doing it before, so I knew the value of it. And it became my space to, you know, it's a creative space. Mm -hmm. That's what's interesting about that. As you walk, your mind is in a really good spot. And so you're really able to, I mean, I, I wish I had paper sometimes. I could finally got used to it and would pull out my phone if mm -hmm. I had to. Because there's stuff that just showed up on that walk that was like, I can't forget this. Yeah. And so, and then the physical was a by, you know, byproduct of that. And so it's really important. And I, you know, again, it is important. I think that movement, um, you see a lot of research about walking and the value of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's, and then when you do it and how you do it, it's a time to get away from all the craziness, um, whether it's your family stress or work stress, all those things, you just go walk and it kind of falls off weird way yeah it's it's one of those things where you're creating space for yourself to kind of down regulate right you're not worrying about your to-do list the emails that need to go out and the catch-22 about walking and i see a lot of people come up against this is they're like well, i'm feeling still stressed out when i'm walking and then you realize well you're listening to two podcasts right you're still on your phone scrolling and so you know the benefit of walking besides exercise is the fact that you're going to shed all of that right? You're going to go out and feel the breeze on your cheek. You're going to count how many trees you just passed. And it's also a practice of being present, right? A lot of the stressors and anxieties we have are worries about the past, worries about the future. And so the tool of walking allows you to be present, allows you to be here right now. And that's also a big kind of exhale for the day. So yeah, a daily walk is kind of one of the, the non-negotiables for us at home. Uh, even with my kids, even with my, my partner, it's like, I'm a different person if I don't get that walk. If I don't get that space to be, okay, how, how's Rob doing today? Right. And, yeah, I mean, and I've come to a place too, you know, you talked about what you're listening to and it's really important for me when I'm doing that that I'm listening to something positive. Yes. And it's, it, it can be music, it can be an audio book, and it can be a podcast, but I always made sure that I was putting positive things inside my head while mm -hmm. I was doing it which again, added more to it and benefit to it for me. You know, like you said, it doesn't have to be like that for everybody. You know, and then sometimes the silence, you know, mm -hmm. the days where my headphones wouldn't work or I didn't charge them, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, you just got to you know, surrender. Mm -hmm. And those were good walks too. Yeah. And I think uh, like what you mentioned about what you're listening to, I'm, one of my big principles that I try to teach people is everything's consumption, Yeah. right? Be it the nutrition aspect, what you're spending your time and money on, it's all consumption. So if you're trying to work on your stressors, what you're listening to, what you're watching is a big impact on that, right? So if you're listening to things that uplift you or a podcast that you're really interested in, it's going to have compounding effects on how well you feel after your walk, for hours after that walk, right? And so I think that's a big aspect about the walk and about the exercises. 
it's it's good consumption versus consumption that may not be benefiting you. Absolutely. And then I, I really enjoy, I do it, you know, part of the year when it's dark, when I'm out walking and you get to see the sunrise mm-hmm. and there, there's something about that starting your day. Um, you go back to what people are talking about, you know, Huberman talking about looking in the light for 10 minutes. Um, but it's just that ability to be there when the sun's coming up and mm-hmm. ready to start the day. There's something about that mentally. It just kind of sets the start. Yeah. And, and for- versus crawling out of bed and it's already, like it's already light out. You feel like the day's already moving. And sometimes there's that stress, like you're already behind before you even got up. Yeah. And that's challenging for people. And, mm. you know, challenging for me, you know, that the day is gone and, you know, I'm, I'm behind. And, you know, speaking from a, a parent's perspective, that's probably the only quiet time you get all day, right? Is that first thing in the morning when you go out and it's quiet outside and the sun's coming up. So, you know, if you're into morning routines, I mean, that's a big benefit is that you get a lot of the, the stress management or self-care done early because the rest of the day really is about putting out fires, taking care of responsibilities. And if we try to allocate or find time later in the day for that, I mean, I can't, I mean, we've had this conversation before. I mean, how many times have you put yourself at the bottom of the totem pole and you never get there? Right. Right. And so it's so important to do it first thing to know that you're taking care of yourself first so that you can better take care of your partner, your kids, your clients, right? Everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I've realized the better I take care of myself, the better I am. 100%. Going out mm-hmm. in all facets, mm-hmm. um, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. I mean, all of that plays into how we interact both with our stressors mm-hmm. and individuals, mm-hmm. for sure. And then you also talked about stressed optimization. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think a lot of people understand the need to manage their stress better, right? And this could be a sense of overwhelm during the day. Um, But the other side of the coin that a lot of people are not approaching is, well, how do I increase my ability to handle more stress, right? And so that's what I mean about stress optimization is it's not just the fact of I'm pulling the fire alarm because I can't handle enough. Well, guess what? We're going to have more stressors tomorrow, right? There's going to be stressors that come out of left field that we're not prepared for. And so if there's small things that you can do day to day that increases your tolerance to stress, then what happens is that internal fire alarm is not as loud anymore during the day-to-day stressors, and you are well prepared to handle bigger stressors a little bit better, right? So that's what the goal of stress optimization is, is not to think of stress as a bad thing. It isn't, right? We need stress. We need fight or flight, but it's how you're reacting to that. Can you downregulate? Can you disconnect? right? And the more flexible you are there, that's what we talk about resilience, right? Your ability to bounce back quicker. So that's, that's what I coach around stress optimization. Yeah. And resilience is a big word for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, it's the term, uh, I do something hard that I get to choose to do so mm-hmm. that everything else isn't as hard. Mm-hmm. And I, there's something about that mental switch of, I have to do this and it's hard, but I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the, all the other things for me, just kind of fall off a little bit. And I'm just more uh, called level. Mm-hmm. The highs aren't as high. The lows aren't as low. Exactly. And that's where you want to be, right? You don't want to always be too high, too low and, and combating that. You want to be right in the middle. And, you know, for my kids, it's just as important as for, for my clientele and for myself to be kind of dosing ourselves every day with something difficult because I think that also build your confidence for the next hurdle, for the next obstacle is knowing that I have a 
track record of overcoming daily hard things that I can handle whatever mountains coming up next. Absolutely. And then we did, we talked a little bit about this, but you know, why did you seek these tools? You know, where, you know, why did this come about in your life? We've talked about your design mm -hmm. and obviously you made a change. Yeah. Um, a pretty big one, obviously, and for the better. And so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So as far as my story, why I got into this space uh, was after design, I owned a gym for more than a decade and I loved being of service. That's kind of the reason I got into design, problem solving and being of service. Um, but there was a aha moment, I would say about year seven into owning uh, the gym that I realized that, you know, at that time I had two kids under the age of four, you know, a partner that was doing her best to handle the home life, whereas I was chasing this dream, right? And I think we can all kind of relate to chasing whatever passion right. I have. Uh, but unfortunately, my own health was being sacrificed for that. My relationships were being sacrificed for that, for something that I was putting on a pedestal, right? Be it this, this company or a different entrepreneurial kind of solopreneur uh, project, so to sure. speak, right? And so I, I distinctly remember, A, one, my overall health was diminishing. I had insomnia. I was taking medication for that. Um, and my own physical health was, was going down. I could work out eight days a week and still have issues, mm. right? Joint pain, inflammation, chronic fatigue, um, even leading to depression where I was like, I, I don't like I'm in the gym space. Why am I feeling this way, right? And so it wasn't until at that time, my oldest, who was seven, she was like, are you ever going to be home, right? And she must have said it a hundred times prior, mm. but I would just kind of, blow, yeah, blow it off. Yeah, blow it off, right? Yeah. I'm going to be home. Yeah. But when you are kind of chasing your dream, a lot of the dream turns into 14, 15 hour days, turns into seven days a week, turns into a handful of years, and time passes. And you don't realize what you're missing, what you're sacrificing for that. So I distinctly remember that day. She's like, are you ever going to be home? I'm like, I'm always home. She's like, you're physically home but you're not here. Yeah. And that cut me through the heart. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, something needs to change or this ship's going down. And yeah. when the ship goes down, that means the business goes down, my relationships with my family goes down and my personal health goes down, right? So I needed to choose at that time, literally. And then you, know, you don't know where that ends. No, I don't. how that ends. Exactly. You could, you could guess. But I, like. like, I had enough mentors and people out front that we followed that I'm like, okay, I definitely, I know what the ship sinking looks like. Right. And so I, I had to sit down and talk with my spouse and I realized that, hey, you know, I can keep going down this avenue, but this is the reality of what it's going to look like. Or I can make this change. And of course, she's always been super supportive. She's like, ultimately, it's up to you, but we've seen the detriment to your health. So you need to take care of the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room wasn't, exercise it wasn't nutrition it wasn't finding something you were passionate about it was stress management right and i couldn't outwork stress management i couldn't take a magic pill to fix it and so leading up to this big transition i went deep you know i was like okay i need to figure things out for myself because if i am also a leader of this community around health how am i comfortable if I'm, I'm still not taking care of myself, right? And so that's when I came across Breathwork. That's where I came across Wim Hof. And I've heard, of, I heard about him decades ago, but it was the Guinness Book of World Records. It was almost in passing, um, but nothing where I could correlate the benefits to my own life. 
And so that's when I got into, you know, I went down the avenue of meditation. Didn't quite work for my personality, me. But when I, when I found whim and when I found breath work, right, that's when I realized that, hey, wow, this, this made a huge impact in my life, a huge impact in my health, my mental, my physical health, my relationships with my kids for the first time and my spouse. And I'm like, okay. And then that's when I made the decision. You know what? There are a lot of gyms. There are great practitioners in the fitness and nutrition realm. No one's really addressing stress using these tools where I live. And that's where I want to make an impact is where I'm, I'm bumping elbow to elbow with people on a daily. And so that's when I closed that business. I decided to close that business down and I went all in on this. I went all in on breath work, all in on cold exposure. Uh, and so that's what I do now. That's what I do with private clients. That's what I do in classroom settings. That's what I do in, in corporate settings is I'm trying to educate people. I, and what it's, when it's the funny thing about it is when you mentioned breath work in the beginning, people would be like, breathing? I've been breathing for 42 years. Like, what are you going to teach me on breath? Just because you're doing it doesn't mean that it's efficient, right? And so, and people don't realize how much, how they breathe influences their mental state during the day, right? And they just, they chalk it up to stressors at work, stressors at home. And then when we have a sit down and we do some assessments, they realize, wow, I'm inducing a lot of the anxiety that I'm having just based on how I'm breathing. Yeah. And then all that plays into what we're talking about too, is how to manage this and create resiliency. When we don't have that resiliency, these practices that we're doing the unknown are actually increasing the stressors. And then those stressors and add in more challenges, like you talked about your health, yeah. you know, your physical and mental health and being present. And I think that's really important. I think managing stress for me is, is really a fo- goal for me is to be present. Mm-hmm. If I manage my stress, I'm present with my family, I'm present with my friends, I'm present with everyone. If I'm not, I am just, I'm out here. Yeah. You know, I'm worried about the next thing that shouldn't even be worrying about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit about Wim Hof. Okay. A little bit. Because yeah. uh, he's a, an amazing man. I don't know how I came across cold water therapy and Wim Hof. I just know that it showed up somehow. I did some research not knowing who he was. And then I was, you know, looking at, you know, what he's about. And then I read his, I did his audio book, mm-hmm. his newest one. And that just, that really woke me up in the sense of, okay, there's something there in these two techniques that are very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then even the story of why he got there, mm-hmm. you know, his wife jumping out the window, they had small kids and he had to figure this out, knowing that she was suffering with mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think he was on this journey himself to figure this out and we've all benefited from it yeah, tremendously. Yeah. And so you went through his training. Yeah. So I am one of his U.S. certified uh, level two Wim Hof instructors. Um, and I have been probably for the last six years. And it's, it's one of those things that um, it's a tool that keeps giving back, right? Because just because you have a new skill, you can still make it more efficient. You can still polish it off. And I tell people around breath work, think of it as different fruits in a fruit salad. Right? Right. You want to try a bunch of different modalities around breath to find out what works best for you. And Wim immediately made a big impact on me. And so as soon as I started feeling it with his, his YouTube videos from back in the day to his online 10-week course, to his instructor's course, to his mastery course, I realized that, wow, just because I understand the tool, 
There's so much more than that. And then the stories, the anecdotal stories that come out from people suffering from all types of acute and chronic inflammation, that this tool really does help you manage the symptoms better. And so from there on, it became a, a regular practice in our household with my kids, with my spouse. And I was such a strong believer. I was holding workshops every two weeks when I first got certified. And it was one of those things where it's like, why don't more people know about this? Especially because it doesn't cost $99.95 every month to use. You don't need a special tool that you have to invest in. It's just understanding the principles and having someone make sure that you are practicing safely um, to kind of guide you through the first couple of sessions. And then you realize like, wow, I can feel this way anytime I want. Like, yeah, you can feel this way anytime you want. Like feeling this dopamine, the happy hormones, knowing that I have more energy. I don't need that extra caffeine kick in the afternoon that I could replicate the same energy release through a cold shower. It's like, yeah, you could definitely do that. And not only that, with Wim specifically, is that it's backed up, right? He's had the, the literature, the researchers, the testing to show that he's not special, right? It's the technique, it's the principles that he can teach anyone to use. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm a believer. Well, his passion for it is pretty hard to dismiss. You can't too. deny it. Yeah. yeah. Like if you, if you get an opportunity to meet him in person or do one of his international things, um, it'd be easy to say that he rubs off on you. Yeah. Right. So um, what is it like to meet him? He is, he's bigger than life. Right? Like he is, he's a character. He's transparent, which I really love. What you see online is exactly who he is in person. And he leads with love and compassion first. He really does. And he is such a strong believer in this technique that he's trying to spread it like wildfire. He really is trying to, to get as many people to learn this technique as possible. And it rubs off on you. Like every time that I've volunteered or helped out on a, one of his US tours, like, man, I'm, I'm ready to take on the world. I feel great. And it's, it's being close to him. It's, it's also learning to do the technique a little bit deeper, right? Sure. Every time that we're around him, it's, it's another 2%, right? I'm getting a 2% better every single time. And so, yeah, he, he is, he's an amazing person. Absolutely. I'd love to sit in a room with him. Just, yeah, I mean, I've watched his stuff. I've watched his videos. He's been on TV shows. Mm -hmm. He was on that Gwyneth Paltrow Goop show. And, you know, talk about a testimony in that show. The gal that he helped, I don't know if you saw that, mm -hmm. you know, she was riddled with anxiety. Yeah. I mean, she couldn't even get on an airplane. And she would have to call the, one of her coworkers every time before she got on an airplane because she was so, her anxiety was just going through the roof. Mm -hmm. And then she went through that process of Wim Hof and it helped her completely. And she was even, I think at the end, was saying the doctor was working with her to slowly take her off her meds, mm -hmm. which that right there is a win for yeah. me. And that's the, that's the power. That's yeah. the power of the breath work. So let's, let's get a little bit more deeper in the breath work and why it's important. You know, and the values and what it does to our, our systems. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if you think about breath work, first off, you need to understand that when we create energy, right? When we need to create energy, the body's mitochondria needs oxygen. And we create that energy in two ways. Stress, right? Physical stress or mental stress. So think about an exercise workout, going for a jog. Your body's starting to breathe harder because it needs more oxygen. Same thing with mental stress, right? I'm stressing through the day. Uh, I need more oxygen. Now, the catch is if you don't breathe mechanically efficient or sound, 
or let's say you don't notice that you're holding your breath or you might be hyperventilating, then what you're doing is you're inducing that anxiety, right? You're inducing that stress response to happen chronically throughout the day. So how you breathe, right? When we talk about mechanics, that's really important. And then the patterns in which you breathe, right? Hyperventilation would be anything over 20, 25 breaths per minute. And so you are actually influencing your blood pH. You're actually influencing how much oxygen that your hemoglobin, think of it kind of like the train station of your blood, does it have the ability to actually release the oxygen, right? So the urge to breathe comes from a buildup of CO2, not necessarily the lack of oxygen. We all have plenty of oxygen in our system, but it doesn't mean our system's using it efficiently. So that's where breath work comes in. That's where understanding increasing CO2 tolerance comes in. That's where understanding different patterns elicit different responses in the body. So when we come talk about breathing, there's going to be certain breathing patterns that we need to relax, right? to downregulate, to go from that sympathetic to parasympathetic. And then in other times, there's actually people that have a hard time getting to an arousal state. So it's a totally different pattern that mm. they need to be doing in order to elicit that response. Sure. And so, I mean, that's the power of the breath. That's the importance of the breath, that you are actually your own chemist, right? And you may not be knowing that you, you might be mixing some chemicals that you don't want, right? That you might be too arousal, too much um, epinephrine happening. And, the, and at the same time, the opposite. You may not realize that, well, I'm, I'm too passive or too relaxed. And there's, there's a problem with that at the same time. Sure. So that's where the breath comes in. Yeah, breath work is interesting because I, the more I've learned about it, you know, especially like your, you know, the talk about mouth breathing versus nose breathing. We yeah. get a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and so I've been really focusing on that um, and working on that. And, you know, I practice box breathing at times, both in the sauna and even on my walks, I was doing box breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before I go to bed, I, I do a little bit of level of box breathing too, just to kind of calm myself before I go to sleep. But yeah, and then just the whole breathing through your nose. Yeah. It's, it's the lowest hanging fruit. And that's what I tell people in classes and workshops is if you forget everything we've covered in the last four-hour workshop, I want you to try to be nasal breathing as much as you can. And if you have a deviated septum, do the best you can. One of my mentors said, if you can breathe through your nose for a minute, you can breathe through your nose for life. You just need to train it. And the reason being is your nose was built for breathing. Your mouth was built for eating, right? And so if you think about it that way, your nose has filtration, it has nitric oxide, right? Or it helps the kind of the lungs dilate and absorb better. So there's so many benefits through the nose. And if you think about the nose as like a pipe, a PV, a water pipe, right? right? So if your nose is a small pipe, your mouth is a big pipe. If we talk about up regulation or uptake in oxygen to the brain and muscles, we want to be slowing our breath down. And I believe the current research shows anywhere from four to six breaths per minute is optimal. But on average, people are breathing 13 to 15 breaths a minute. So how do I naturally slow my breathing down? Well, if you're not nasal breathing, I would go there first, just based on the pipe size. If I'm breathing through the mouth, getting all this air in, may not be oxygen, but I'm also exhaling much quicker. So if you think about your breathing cycle time, it's going to be much quicker mouth breathing than nose breathing. Now, is there a space that you need to be mouth breathing? 100%. If you think about the highest of high, like zone five training, then yeah, you're going to be mouth breathing. But when I'm washing dishes or if I'm replying to an email, I shouldn't hear myself breathe. I shouldn't be mouth breathing. I don't want to be nasal breathing. And just on the filtration alone, I suffered with a lot of 
tonsillitis growing up, I was a big mouth breather, snoring. I was a big mouth breather. And it wasn't until I made that switch over to nasal dominant breathing that right. I noticed, A, not only my health was improving, but cognition, decision-making, I didn't have brain fog as much. And it was all from using my nose, just nasal breathing. So the lowest level hack, so to speak, is when, when you're feeling stressed, when you find yourself yawning or sighing a lot, kind of just push away from the desk and ask yourself, like, am I mouth breathing or nose breathing? Do I have cotton dry mouth? You're, you're mouth breathing, right? Uh, do I have plenty of saliva? Do I feel like I have more saliva in my mouth? Then you're nose breathing. So that's the easiest step to start is just to be nasal breathing. So do we want to get into mouth taping a little bit? <laughs> mouth taping. Um, there's, there's so many different uh, sides to this. Um, I'm a believer in, in mouth taping, uh, but, right, there's this big but. And I don't think it's for everyone. Um, and again, just like I don't think certain breathing patterns. Well, we should talk about when to mouth tape. Too. Yeah, it's not when, just, it's not when you're walking around in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah there's a place and time. So I think right now, kind of the wave around mouth taping is around sleeping. Right. And, and there's also, also a small percentage of people doing it while they're training, yep. like exercise. Yep. And I think that fits a very specific demographic, a very specific type of athlete to be mouth taping at that level. I would just have you nasal breathing your exercise first like let's just start there yeah, and i've been trying that yeah and, and it, it's it's a different it's very different yeah let's just put it that way I, and in a good way and it does take practice because i'm still still getting there mm -hmm. you know and i think part of it is that fear of am i getting enough oxygen yeah right and so we go to our mouth yes and, and you know and then there's all the negative like you brought up filtration there's also you know dental challenges mouth breathing too yeah come along with that uh, i mean and i feel like when we breathe through our nose the other thing is that i was i've been taught is you know pushing your tongue on the roof of your mouth and so i focus on that my tongue is always up there mm -hmm. and then that does things for our mouth you know in terms of our structure you know because we eat soft foods and all this stuff our, our mouths have changed which then mess with our how we breathe Yes, really? especially over time. I over mean, time, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of research and there's books out there showing, especially with kids, right? If they're mouth breathing at night, that their jawline ends up being recessed a little bit, which creates that pinch in that soft palate towards the back, which also right. induces snoring. Um, but yeah, so as far as the mouth breathing, like when to do it, uh, how do I mouth tape? Um, I always have people, especially because recently everybody wants to mouth tape at night when they're sleeping. And yes. next thing you know, you wake up in a panic, like... Am I suffocating or the mouth tapes around my forehead in the next in the morning? So if, if you already, if anxiety is already a challenge for you, if you already have a lot of stressors in your life, then what you want to do is you want to walk before you run. And Absolutely. I think mouth taping at night is already running. Yes. So I always recommend people like take a time in your day during a transition time. Let's say you're driving home from work, you're doing the dishes, you're not on phone calls, right? And mouth tape for 10 minutes. Right, start with about 10 minutes and really bring your awareness to how you're feeling during that time, after that time, and then just systematically increase that, right? So folding laundry is 20 minutes. Going for your morning walk, you know, during the sunrise might be, be a little funny though. People look at you like, you know. <laughs> at that time, it's totally fine. Right? You're already out at 4.30 right. in the morning. But um, so start when you're awake. And the reason being is we want to teach our subconscious that A, we're safe, we're okay, and then you want to start building that pattern of breathing through the nose predominantly. And then after a couple of weeks of doing that, then I would suggest doing it at night. And you're going to find more success of not tearing the mouth tape off in the middle of the night 
waking up in a panic. Um, so that's how I would kind of introduce new people to mouth taping. And as far as the physical aspect of it, just close your mouth, go for a walk, go for right. a jog. And as far as training and exercise, I love the, the idea of nasal breathing predominantly as a dampener. So you start to learn that the body can handle a lot more nasal breathing as you train over time, right? So as you start pushing the intensity over time, but you inadvertently kind of force yourself to nasal breathe, you'll find where that line is, okay, I need to start mouth breathing. Or maybe it's nasal in, mouth out, right? We talk about gears on a bike as far as breathing patterns in exercise. So, you know, a, a jog conversational pace that a lot of runners talk about as far as like zone three, yeah. that, that would be nasal breathing only, right? right? I should be able to nasal breathe only and go for a jog. It'd be the equivalent of us kind of having a conversation. And then that next gear, it would be like, maybe it's nose in, but I need to exhale a little bit quicker, right? So I'm going to go to exhale through my mouth, nose in, mouth out. And then if it gets to a mouth in, mouth out, that's when I know I'm kind of that zone Perfect. five. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pushing it. Yeah, I've been trying it with you know, my uh, jump rope and Perfect. heavy bag time, and it's a little challenging still. Mm -hmm. um, I like the idea of breathing in through my nose, out my mouth. This mm -hmm. is, a, is, again, is a way to build up. Um, but that's something I've been trying to focus on on that because I, I do feel like, again, over time, mouth breathing, it's not been helpful. Yeah, and, and just to be kind of patient with yourself, right? Have yeah. a little grace. It's going to take some time. We have to, re we have to relearn it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the research articles that they showed as far as the benefits of like nasal breathing for athletes, it took anywhere from 10 to 12 weeks for adaptation, right? So we're not saying like, oh, I'm going to be nose breathing this I, week and I'm going to see a huge difference. I tried it. And uh, they catch 22 with that. And it's kind of a joke as far as trainers and training is that most of the athletes don't last that long because it's hard, right? We don't want to do nasal only breathing for 12 weeks at a higher interval rate. But if you do, like anything that you do, as far as developing skills, adaptation will happen. Right? So, and that's what we're looking for is that adaptation. Right. So, yeah, if you're looking to mouth tape, start slow, start while you're awake, and then eventually you'll, you'll see the benefits as far as quality of sleep, um, as far as cycle time of breathing, you'll naturally slow down, which means you know, you're going to get more oxygen to the brain, oxygen to the muscles, which helps with recovery. Yeah, when I do it, I wake up less fatigued. Mm -hmm. Know, less foggy um i just feel ready to go and uh obviously you gave me that same advice and i ignored you and <laughs> just went right to the sleep but um i was already practicing just not doing mouth breathing and eliminating that so mm -hmm. i had a little bit of a, a vision of that already and um i i benefit from it i believe in it um, i think it's a positive thing to do it does take a little bit of challenge to get used to mm -hmm. but once you're past that i mean I've woken up in panics every once in a while, but it, those panics are more about, you know, I'm about to sneeze or something mm -hmm. odd like that, mm -hmm. or I got a cough or something. And um, that kind of shows up that way, but I've been able to just slow it down mm -hmm. and realize, okay, you're all right. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you're okay. Yeah. And that tape will come off. Like, absolutely. Don't, don't feel like, absolutely. you know, a little piece of 3M tape is going to cause anything well, serious. Let's right? talk about that. So, so as a tool, we mm -hmm. talk about tape, but people, this isn't, masking tape or scotch tape no no i mean nowadays it's become fashionable so there's brands that are selling mouth tape yeah. but like i started with just 3m tape that you can get at yeah. you know any kind of grocery store um and i would i started taping vertically at first because if i really needed to i could breathe out the side of my mouth and then that turned into a horizontal tape that was long enough that it covered most of it um 
And what I realized with the mouth tape is over time, you become more comfortable with it and you become more comfortable nasal breathing without it as well. And so for me, you know, cotton mouth, dry mouth in the morning was a really big thing, which led to more sickness. Yes. Um, so I saw a big benefit with that. Uh, not only that, just... Dehydration. Yeah, you lose. I think the numbers are like up to 80% mouth breathing. So it's like that, that's a huge benefit to be nasal breathing alone. Um, not only that, nasal breathing also humidifies the air that's coming in, be it whatever, wherever you live. It'll help make it so that your lungs are optimal breathing that in. Um, so yeah, mouth tape, give it a try. But uh, there's different ways to do it, right? There's no wrong way to do it. And also, you don't need to do it. Right? There's other things that you could be doing, just like nasal breathing throughout the day. Like that's already a great place to start. Yes. But if you're looking to add another tool, right, as far as improving your body's ability to breathe through the nose, then yeah, mouth taping is definitely something to play around with. Before we get to one of my favorite things on cold water, but... I think the one thing we're going to talk about too a little bit is that all these things we're talking about, you shouldn't do it all at once, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's, you want to take these things on small bites. Um, you know, I, I heard this analogy a long time ago and I just stuck in my head is when we're aging wine, mm. which, you know, neither one of us age wine, but if we were, the, the technique is to quarter turn it. Mm-hmm. You don't turn it 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. So just like our health and wellness, we can't just wake up tomorrow and decide I'm going to do all these 10 things because you, A, you're not going to stick with it. B, is your body going to really react to it correctly because you're taking on all this new stuff? Mm -hmm. Then you might actually have a negative reaction to all this because you're taking it on at once. So I think it's really important that, you know, in all these techniques, it's really a quarter turns, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're talking about breath work. Well, just first learn to breathe through your nose. Exactly. Right. Then you get into these techniques. Mm-hmm. And then you can add and keep adding, but you need to start slow. You need to start with these quarter turns. I think it's really important. And I, for me, when I do that, it stays in my protocol. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, with any new skill set or any new protocol, like consistency is the key part of it. And how we become consistent is not trying to hit home runs, right? We're just trying to get to first base. And so when it comes to all of these principles and, and working with clients, that are really gung-ho about implementing, it's hard to do less, right? And that's just about stress optimization and management in general. It's like you want to do less and you want to do less for a couple of reasons. One, you'll stick to it, right? If I give you 15 protocols to do every day, you're less likely going to accomplish 80%. If I give you two protocols per day, you're probably going to do 100% of that. Secondly, a big part of how I teach stress management is assessment. If we're doing 10 things at once, how do you know what is actually benefiting you and what is not? So when you talked about like, hey, it could actually be detrimental. Well, I've got 10 plates in the air. Which one is the detrimental plate? So when when you take on breath work, when you take on cold water immersion, when you take on anything, um, even nutrition aspects of it, you want to add one thing at a time and really test it out, right? Test it out for two weeks and you know, is it, is it helping? Great. Keep with it. Is it not? Okay. Shelf it. Try something else. I think the other benefit of that too, is that kind of motivates you a little bit because when they do work, you're willing to add more. Yes. Cause you go that worked. What's next? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I add to this? Mm-hmm. And I think to your point is if it, if you did all 10 and it didn't work because one or two of them were off and it makes the whole thing off, then you're just going to stop mm-hmm. in, in your tracks and you're never going to really get there 
And you're going to have these hurdles that you have to eventually get past again. And you might even not even attempt the hurdle because you realize, eh, I did it before. Yeah. That, I mean, how many times you heard that? Anything. I did that before. Yeah, that didn't You work. did it before, but did you do it in a way that made sense for you mm-hmm. or how it made sense for someone else? And that's the other thing, too, is important for all of this is that what works exactly for you and me are going to be different. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the... The ingredients might all be the same, but how we use them and how much, I think is going to vary. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why you take time to do it, right? You need to test out all the ingredients. You need to test out the, the ratios and how long. Some people, you know, if, you're, if you've been dealing with stressors or anxiety or trauma over a lifetime, doing a two-minute breath session is probably not going to cut it, right? And so knowing that, A, our physiology is slightly different, B, how we react to stress is different, is really going to influence the type of breathing patterns you choose, the duration you choose to do them, the cold immersion protocols you're going to do. And so in order to stay consistent, you want to celebrate wins. You want to celebrate small wins. And so to celebrate small wins, it needs to be something that you can do daily, right? right. That doesn't take a huge amount of time to do or because we don't have 25 hours a day, we're not going to find more right. time. So what can you do today consistently that's going to create momentum for the bigger protocols, for the... 60-minute breathwork sessions, right? There's no way I'm doing 60 minutes day one. Right. I'd, I'd fall off easily. Right. But after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, I'm, I'm ready. I've earned the right to do something a little bit more complicated, a little bit more challenging. And that's been key for me is finding those small things that I can replicate every day and do. And like I've found these couple. One is like we talked about box breathing. Mm-hmm. I do it throughout the day. So that's one. My... Movement has become more intense as I'm getting out of my immunotherapy and I'm able to have more, be more physical and have more energy. So I got into jumping rope with heavy ropes mm-hmm. and then from there going to a heavy bag. And that those two movements are huge for my mental space. Mm-hmm. The, the physical is just a byproduct. Mm-hmm. But the, for me, the motivation to get out there is to do that so that I'm present with my family and my friends and everybody because I get so much out. Mm-hmm. During that, it's 20 minutes at the end of the day. So that's why I give myself a hard time. Like, you don't have 20 minutes? Come on. And it's really important. And then, and then the sauna mm. and then cold water. Mm. So those, those things for me on a daily basis are key yeah. to my stressors. And I, I can't describe really, well, it's hard to, as a personal testimony to really help people understand the value of it mm. because they haven't experienced it. But trust me, it's day and night. Mm-hmm. day and night i mean i i'm a different person walking this earth now that i've managed my stressors oh my goodness yeah and, and the other thing that's you know, you talk about physical side of this is i had so much challenge with my weight mm-hmm. and i was i'm not i was eating right i was doing certain things maybe not perfect but not to the point where my weight was a challenge not i believe through going through this journey with my cancer, I learned how to deal with my stressors because I had one of the biggest stressors in my, my life based in front of me. I had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so managing that stress has allowed me to get healthier and I lost a lot of weight, which again adds energy. Mm-hmm. You know, go on and on and on to the benefits of that. So it's, that's why I really wanted this conversation to happen because of all the health and wellness. Mm-hmm. I believe stress is one of the most negative impacts to our health. Oh, I agree 100%. I agree. And I think it's one of those things where 
we get comfortable with the stress, not knowing that we're not managing it well, right? And I think that as we get older, uh, pain is the same way, right? Yes. Our threshold for pain right. is the same way. Like, oh, this is my new normal, but, th- but that's not normal. And I have a challenge with that. Like, I have a big pain threshold. So is it hurt? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. And, I don't and, know. And we have the same reactions to stress, right? right. It's like, uh, I, I can handle a little bit more. It's like, well, can you? Like, you know, your body's saying no. You're holding on to weight. You can't sleep. Your health markers are not the best. I would argue to say you're not handling stress very well, exactly. but we just get used to it, right? We get into the grind and we just know that, hey, this is how it's supposed to be. Or we're just in a spot where we really don't know how to get out. Yes. And, and we, I've been there. And we've I've, tried things. I've been there and I've had conversations with my wife and other people where it was, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And again, it took time. It took trial. I believe there's some really good positive tools out there. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about today. But it takes time and you have, at the end of the day, you have to move with it. Yeah. You have to do it. You can't expect it's going to go away just because you looked at it. Yeah. And, and, I, and be regular about it. Be consistent about it. Learn from it. Adjust. It's really important. And I think, you know, part of my story is you need to realize that, you know, I realized I was worth it. Right? Like, I, I grew up in the sense of taking care of others. That was right. the, the priority, right? Be it in work, be it in family. I'm, you know, okay, I'll, I'll take care of myself when I get there. But it's the, the whole, you know, paradigm of, of the rat race. Like, I'm, I'm working so hard to get to a point where I can finally enjoy my time with my family, but I can't because now I'm sick, right? Or, or I, I would get to that point and go, okay, great. What's the next one? Yeah. Exactly. And then what's the next exactly, one? And right. I would ne- you, there was never an end. No, I'm, I'm, and, I'm looking for the next trophy. Yeah. Right. And so whether you call it, it was self-inflicted mm-hmm. in a lot of ways is, okay, I got there. Now I need to get there. And so you're just constantly in that stressor, mm-hmm. you know, of your career. It's never, oh, I, once I get there, I'm just going to, you know, then I'm good. Yeah. Are you? Probably yeah. not. No. And that's a big challenge too. Yeah. And I think that's, that was another aha moment for me. And that's another reason why, you know, I shifted my entire life, entire career towards teaching people these tools because, you know, A, if that's something that you want to do after you build awareness about your life, then great. At least now you have that awareness and you're not going to look back and like, man, I wish I would have done something different. Right. right? And then secondly, if you build that awareness and you realize, wow, I am not handling the day-to-day very well. And I know it's not only impacting my health, my mental and physical health, but those closest to me, okay, I need to do something different, right? Yeah, and my demeanor's changed. Yeah. And how I interact with people. I'm much calmer. I had a friend of mine um, talking the other day, and he's like, Rob, you're different. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He's like, you're you just hold yourself very different. You're calm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you were stressed through the gills. And like if, and I was, you know, it was like, part of it was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was just the worry, right? That constant worry that mm-hmm. I got to keep the wheels on the bus. Mm-hmm. And yes, we do. That is part of our responsibility as the head of the household. But we need to figure out how to manage it. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those stressors aren't going to go away that willingness of wanting to provide for your family isn't going to go away. It's always going to be there. So how do I deal with it? How do I manage it? Yeah. So that for me was like, you know, my aha moment too was to be better 
whatever I'm doing, I have to do these other things. Yeah, I have to be better. Yes. Right? Because if I'm better, then I can be a better provider. If I'm better, then I can uh, be a better coworker, right? Or a business owner or a partner. And I realize that, like, that's not selfish. No, right? and especially in a creative space. If we're stressed, we have no creativity. Yeah. It's, it's very limited because our, our mind is just worried about how we're fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and then so we're not using it for the way we should. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, our, our abilities is creativity. However you look at it, whether it's creativity and, and, and art and words, all kinds of creativity goes into the stuff. But we're limited if we're stressed. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said about, like, if you're in that fight-or-flight state, you're, your default is not to be creative, Yeah, right? Your default is to keep alive. Right. And so that's what your body goes to. And then when that becomes a chronic state, you wonder why you hit these creativity blocks, right? Where there's seasons where, like, I know it's not my best work, right? And it, it's not because of lack of tools. It's not... Uh, the lack of inspiration. It's literally because your body is saying, no, we need to keep this ship afloat. All that stuff is secondary. Right. Once you start to learn how to shift, once you start to learn how to be present, once you learn, and I just say slow down, like once you learn how to slow down, I mean, anecdotally, and I know you can relate, it wasn't until I was on vacation that creativity really started to flood. Like I created more during breaks from work than I did at work sometimes. Well, I have to have breaks. And that's <laughs> something I don't do. Yeah. You know, and um, I agree 100%. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that we lose it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's tough. Yeah. Especially when you start to become more of a cog in the machine versus the creative outlet for the machine. Right? And so having regular breaks, you know, vacations. And that was the aha moment. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm, doing so much problem solving on vacation. Yeah, that's a takeaway from the family and, and me relaxing. But what if I could do that weekly? What if I could do that daily? What if I had space in the day-to-day that I could step away and allow all that creativity actually come flooding in versus shutting that door because I'm putting out fires, right? And that's where the breath work comes in. That's where, you know, the cold exposure comes in. It's that ability to focus, Right to quiet the mind, to quiet the subconscious, to allow all the tools that you have to actually be used. I think it's important to, you You mentioned about stripping it all away. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this earlier today is because of my diagnosis and going through immunotherapy, I did strip a lot on my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of noise, a lot of challenges and just went down to the core. Mm-hmm. And it really is, it wasn't by choice. It was like, I have to focus on this and I can't focus on anything else. Mm-hmm. And then as time progressed, I kept adding back. Mm-hmm. But I was adding back positive things, things that I felt were going to benefit me in this journey and, and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice that I kind of just, just the whole thing got scorched and start over. Mm-hmm. And then I just slowly added things in. that Some of that I already knew, like cold water and mm-hmm. breath. I knew I'd already kind of was dabbling in that space. But again, slowly adding things in and slowly adding in, researching, learning new stuff. And then to where I am today, it's completely different mm-hmm. because I did strip all that away. I think the noise went away. It, it realized where my priority should be. I think that's the big thing. Yeah. Is you realize where you're spending your time and energy and whether or not that's benefiting your ultimate goal, which is to be around for your family, right? To provide for your family. 
And I think, you know, stripping it down, using tools to help you strip down at the end of the day really does put things in perspective, right? Like, hey, is, is what I'm doing day to day for me, for someone else, right? Are we in alignment with what our goals are? And so, yeah, I think really having tools day to day and, you know, a lot of us will come up to those unfortunate walls where it forces you to strip things down. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my whole goal with teaching breath work and cold immersion is I, I want to get you before that is yeah. forced. Yeah. Right? And so once I can get you before that, then at least, uh, I mean, the quote, you know, an ounce of preparation is better than a pound of cure. Right? right. And so that's what these tools are. These tools are daily preventions. Let's talk a little bit about gut health in relation to stress. Yeah. So one of the big aha moments for me, because I did have gut issues uh, during this time of grind. And what you realize, and I realized this talking to many dietitians and nutritians over the years uh, around stress management, and I've been brought on as kind of a subject matter expert when it comes to this. And what you realize is part of your body's natural nervous system during a fight or flight state is to slow down or shut down the gut, right? It, and it, the reason being is it's not a priority when I'm running from a lion, right? right? So I use the analogy of like we're cavemen. So if I go out in the day and we're going for the hunt, um, not only do I need to focus on the hunt, I also need to focus not being hunted, right? So, you know, heart rate increases, blood pressure goes up, eyes are dilated, which are all supposed to happen, right? Your immune response is a little bit slower. That's why if I get a cut, I don't, you know, keel over and stop. Now, the gut shuts down as well. Now, the problem with that is a lot of us are sitting at a desk nine to five being chased by an imaginary lion, right? We're in this chronic state of fight or flight and we wonder why not only the food choices may not be the best, but we're not seeing the benefits from it, right? Why every year it seems like the recommendation for fruit and vegetable servings go up, right? And I believe it's because more and more we're in this constant state of fight or flight that we're not giving our gut the chance to digest well. And that happens during the parasympathetic state, right? When our body feels safe, then okay, not being chased by a lion anymore, let's digest some food. And so the gut-brain access, you know, there is a connection there. And noticing that a lot of our ability to fight off stressors, our immune response also comes from our gut. Yeah. And so it's really important not only what we eat, the choice of food we eat, but also our state while we're eating, right? So being in front of the TV or taking phone calls at work while you're trying to scarf down lunch, it's probably not benefiting you as far as creating energy, right? As far as being able to downregulate to actually use that energy. And I've seen it in myself and clients, you know, the constant snacking comes from the body's need of energy, but it's not getting it. Be it the fact that you're not in a state that it can use it well, mm. or we're not choosing the right type of fuel. Right. Are you, what about, what's your feeling on fasting? Fasting, again, just like uh, mouth taping. Yeah. I, think, I think all these tools, you should give it a try. If you're on this journey of awareness, of personal health, of stress management, then you should be giving a lot of things a try to see if it works best for you. I found that fasting, intermittent fasting, and there's different protocols around right. intermittent fasting, uh, worked great for me. And not only that, you know, being a solopreneur, it naturally happened anyways yeah, because I wasn't eating breakfast. Eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't eating during the focus times. So now more than anything, I need to remind myself to when eat. to break my fast, right? Yeah. When to eat. 
but it does a couple things for me. A, it builds my awareness around hunger. So a lot of the clients, a lot of the people that I've worked with over the years, they don't know what feeling hungry feels like, right? They're just eating based on a schedule or just snacking and grazing throughout the day. And so they don't realize how that's influencing their overall wellness. And so for me, when I started fasting, it gave me an awareness of what feeling hungry felt like and then what feeling full feels like as well. And so having that window of fasting, and there's plenty of research showing the benefits of fasting as far as improving your immune response and, and cell uh, reproduction is, is the fact that, A, it's another tool that I am influencing, that I'm in control of, right? right? And it's so, another stressor that we're able to control. Yeah, and if we talk about hormesis, right? Yeah. The, the practice of doing something in a short amount, small doses, that causes adaptation for the, for the better... Versus if you were doing it over time, long periods of time, it could be detrimental to your health. And the example I give people is like the ice bath, right? Being exposed for two to three minutes and having that spike and that eventual, you know, dopamine release is a good thing. Would I want to be in an ice bath for 30 minutes? Probably not. Probably not good for my health. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. But that spike in that stress response actually helps my flexibility between being in that sympathetic and that parasympathetic state and fasting is very similar to that, right? It creates that sense of there is an acute response, acute stressor that I get to work against and that creates adaptation over time. Yeah, I was encouraged by my oncologist to, to fast, do intermittent fasting. And again, I, I was used to it. It was kind of like a no-brainer for me. Um, part two is, you know, my history when I was a kid, I you know, wrestled in high school and you cut weight. So I knew what it was like. But there's all these other individuals that I've been around and they're like, what are you fasting? Like, you go without food? Yeah. So I think there's a fear. Like, like you said, the idea of feeling hungry, what that's like. People don't, they think it's, they're scared. Yeah. They're scared of that feeling, even though there is a benefit to it at the, the back end. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good about practicing intermittent fasting. And I do almost a 24-hour fast from like Sunday night Monday, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of mix it up. I was dealing with some internal gastro issues. And so I thought, well, what if I try a bigger fast and see if that helps? And I think it does. Mm-hmm. Again, it's another practice. It's another thing of just, for me, again, I get to choose to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about all these stressors, but again, these stressors, these tools that we're talking about are good stressors for our body. They're controlled stressors, right? Right. Like, you, you know, when you start and when you end the ice bath, right? You know, when you start and you end the fasting and that goes in all the topics we've talked today, as far as cold exposure, as far as fasting, as far as breath work and exercise, these are all controlled stressors with the goal of adaptation over time, right? To help us not only manage stress better, but also to create resilience. Right. Is there any supplements out there that you think they're valuable in this um, supplements wise, I think it's different for everyone. Sure. I think if you talk to, uh, people who are experts in the field of nutrition dietitians, it really comes down to a, you know, really looking under the hood, right? right. Doing some blood work to see where you're deficient in. And in my experience and my storyline, a lot of people are deficient in a lot of things that they don't know about. So be it vitamin D, be it, uh, EPA, DHA, like fish oils, be it magnesium, right. right as far as relaxing. Right. So I think the first step is to realize like, hey, if, if I don't have a steady state of energy throughout the day, if I'm not sleeping well, if I notice that I'm constantly in this anxiety loop, I'm, I want to start checking some boxes off, right? And nutrition and diet is probably one of those 
things just like how, how you breathe influences your state, what you eat, how much you eat, or what you're not eating can also influence your, your state and immune response. So I think the first step is, you know, to talk to a practitioner, get some blood work done, and to figure out where you're deficient. Right? Right. And so from there, that's a good jumping off part. But just like we talked about, a lot of times, even I've done blood work, and it's like, okay, I need to be on these 10 supplements. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, how am I going to know which one's actually working? Which sure. one's actually going to ha- help right. me? Right. So that's when I kind of filter it down to the 80-20, right? Which, which one or two of these supplements can I see a, a big impact in my overall energy, in my digestive, in my, in my gut? Then those are the ones I start with. Yeah, I have like key ones that I'm really... Mm-hmm. These have to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I add in and out of other stuff just based on, you know, financial ability and mm-hmm. availability and all those kinds of things and time sometimes too. Like, you know, I, I really, for me, athletic greens every day. Oh, yeah. I'm, because, I'm on the AG1 yeah. as well. So because that's just, for me, it's just the base. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, I get that base. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. The other stuff is always just value added, mm-hmm. really. But I know I get that base. And I, you know, I have a smoothie when I break my fast and it has other things in there too. And so again, I'm getting a base for me. And then again, all the other thing is, is just gravy. Yeah. It's kind of like your back filling. Right? Yeah. Like, but no, I, I love any kind of like broad spectrum brush stroke. And that's what the athletic greens does, right? It has the probiotics, has all the greens you need. Um, and so if you're struggling to kind of find out what works or what doesn't like for me, I'm a big tester. I'm a big guinea yeah, pig on myself absolutely. as, as you are, uh, the same. And so for me, it was like, okay, 30 days. Let's take 30 days, take the supplements, see how I feel. And I can tell you anecdotally, I felt a lot better. I felt like I had a steady state of energy. I felt like my mood was a lot more steady throughout the day. Um, and I, lo- I also felt that my digestion was a lot better, more consistent yeah, with absolutely. the different foods that I was eating. So, And I think that's important too, is digestion with yeah. all of this too. It's the gut health is digestion. And mm-hmm. that's, again, another piece that as, as wellness, we need to pay attention to. Yeah. And regularity, exactly. You know all the benefits, yeah. the things that we got to pay attention to. So I think it's a, it's important. All right, let's talk about one of my favorite things. Okay, cold water. Oh, I love the cold water. Yeah, yeah. So cold water immersion, aka ice baths. Um, first and foremost, there, there's also a broad stroke here, right? So what we want to do is we want to expose ourselves to an environmental stressor that's going to cause our body to adapt over time. So. Not everyone has a 100-gallon horse trough and 200 pounds of ice readily available. Uh, or a so, bunch of money to buy, a bunch all, of money to to buy, buy a cold plunge. Exactly. So when I first started, it was one of two things. And, and I'll go a little bit more into the tangents of this. But first off, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this showers. At least I hope so. And so if you have a shower, you have the ability to take a cold shower. Now, or colder. Or colder. I like that. A colder <laughs> shower. Lukewarm would be the first right. start. Right? It's this time of year here. Exactly. And then, and so you want to start with that. And you want to start slow. I'm talking 10 to 15 seconds at the end of a shower. Uh, and then you want to build up over time. And the whole goal with that is you want to bring your awareness to what is your reaction to that colder water temperature. And you're going to notice a couple things. A, your breathing is going to be a little bit more rapid, right? You're probably going to feel your heartbeat a little bit stronger. And you're going to feel your mind run. Like, I don't like this, which is normal. Now, it's your ability to create space in that time to be like, no, I'm okay. This is just cold water. And the way you start influencing your body's reaction is through your breathing. Right. So if I start to slow my breathing down or let's say regain control over the breath, 
you'll soon realize that the body's well-equipped to handle that cold water and more so that it actually yearns for it, right? It actually wants it. Yeah, my body got to a point where it, it, I wanted it every day. Like yeah. it was, where is it? And it was, it was interesting when I first started doing it. That probably came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I started with the shower and I gamified it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, today's 15 seconds. What can I get to by the end of the week? And so I think that that's important for people is just gamify it. Because if we do that, it's, it's our own competition. And it's, it's, it just brings another level to it. I think the other thing is everyone's like, well, I don't like cold water. Mm. Do I? I don't like cold water. Do you really like cold water? <laughs> no. Another thing is like, oh, it must get easier. No, it's no, never gotten easier. Never gets easier. It no. actually gets harder. Yeah. Well, the, I think the easier part is that we understand the benefit of it mm. out when we get out. We know how we feel when we get out. We have experience. Yeah. Right. So, and so that helps, but the actual act of it does not get easy. Oh, it's still cold. It's I mean, still cold. I, I tell a testimony where my sauna shuts off in the winter here, you know, in Southern California, it's not that cold, but yeah. it, it, you know, we had four nights in the forties mm-hmm. and my sauna would go off and I'm just like, I don't want to go. And you, you have that. I think that one of the biggest benefits of this is the battle to get into the cold water. That, that is mental the, battle to get in there is something I look forward to every day because it is a challenge I have to face. It's with myself and I'm going to win. And some might say, some might argue that's the harder challenge it than is. actually being in. It is. Absolutely. Is. Yeah. That, and, you know, I walk from my garage to the pool <laughs> and that walk is like the green mile. Yeah, it's the longest me. walk. And But I... You know, I would have these battles like, oh, just take a shower. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you don't need to do it tonight. And it was like, no, go. You know mm-hmm. how good you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. Go do it. And, of course, as soon as you get out, you got a big smile on your face. Yeah. And you're like, this is why we did it. Exactly. And so with that, the caveat as far as cold showers, right? Build over time. How do I know when I can increase the time? You can gamify it. Or once you get to a point where you notice you're catching your breath faster, right? right? You're, yeah. you're feeling okay faster. Then you get to a point where you're just taking a cold shower. Right? The entire shower is cold. Now, the caveat is, you know, I've worked with people, my spouse is the same way, where the evening routine around showering is warmth, yes. right? It's feeling like my muscles are relaxing under a hot shower. And inducing a cold response is not something they're looking forward to. So in that case, if your evening routine is warmth and that's part of your routine, then take the cold shower during the day. Right? First thing in the morning is great, maybe as a transition at lunch. So do it separate to that. And then secondly, if, if the water is not there for you, like if that's something you're really opposed to, then we talked about early mornings, having a morning routine where you're getting out and it is a little bit colder. Go for a walk in the shorts and a t-shirt and feel cold, right? Feel what it feels like to be cold. That's another great aspect. And in Southern California, there's cryo as well, cryotherapy. So Whatever version of cold environment you can get into is going to be beneficial. Jump in the ocean, jump in a lake, right? So whatever you have available to you, just know that you want to do it gradually. I'm not going to go in and do five minutes in a cold shower day one, right? Not only that, that's not adaptation. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a stress, and then we're looking to respond to that stress under control. And the only way we can do that is by slowly and gradually increasing that stressor, right? And just like you said, if I did 10 things for my health and I wasn't consistent, I'm going to throw away all 10 things. Well, if you jump into your first cold plunge with friends and you watched it on a YouTube video and you're like, this is the worst feeling in the world, you'll never do it again, right? Same thing with the cold showers. So having a plan, having something that's gradual over time will not only 
give you those small wins, you will start to feel the benefits daily, right? Absolutely. And it's that, and that's what we're looking for. And that's why I think, does it ever get easier? No, but I know the benefits. I know how good I feel. But I fed off the challenge of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the daily challenge. And I think that was important. And then, you know, when I went through my diagnosis, that cold shower was so special to me because I forgot about everything. Mm. And that's another thing is it just, it just zaps the world. It, it, the well, only anything, thing you anything, can worry about yeah. is about breathing. You can't worry about anything else no. when you're cold, right? You're Absolutely. just worried about breathing. And I think that, that moment, that six minutes that I w- you know, worked up to mm-hmm. was so valuable to me. And I, I would, you know, I would do it multiple times a day mm-hmm. because I knew that just would erase all my challenges, all my worries for that six minutes. And I got six minutes of peace. Exactly. That's what it was exactly what I was going to say. It's for the first time I'm getting six minutes of peace of stillness. Yeah. Right. And, and that's all from the cold exposure, right? That's just from your body's natural alignment of a, instead of worrying about the 10 things, I'm just going to worry about breathing. And by doing that alone, you're already shedding a lot of the stuff that you're holding throughout the day. So we talk about this for stress, mm-hmm. but there's other benefits. Oh, there's, there's tons of health benefits as yes. well. I mean, we're talking about increasing white cell count. We're talking about improving your immune response. We're talking about, I call it a full body ice pack, right? Yes. Like if you think about like twisting an ankle, playing sports right. or something like that, you put an ice pack on it because it helps with inflammation. Well, this is a full body ice pack, right? So noticing that it improves circulation, your circulatory system, right? High blood pressure, low pro- blood pressure to help normalize it over time. So it's a cardiovascular workout. Oh, it is. Think about passive cardiovascular. Exactly. And so just like the benefits of uh, doing bicep curls and bench pressing, like you're doing that for your circulatory system. Right. And then you said the stressors, but also just resilience and mental fortitude, right? Knowing that I'm choosing to do something difficult because of the benefits that come after. And the more you do that, the, the fear doesn't go away. But what happens is the time it takes you to make that shift becomes quicker. Yes. Right. And so, yeah, the health benefits are there and it's, it's been, it's, I mean, the centurions, right? The people who've lived the longest and a lot of the, the blue countries, the blue states all practice some type of exposure training, be it sauna or cold, mm. right? Be it in the lakes, in the rivers, um, yes. a lot of the European countries in sauna, it's, it's a regular daily It's a regular routine. thing. It's part of their day. It's just like, you know, us having solar as a requirement for new builds, their requirement is saunas and cold plunges. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Huberman earlier. I mean, there's plenty of research out there to the benefits of both. It's almost, you know, it's funny to think that why people aren't practicing these yeah, things. Yeah, like Susanna Solberg. Yeah. Like she, the Solberg Institute and all the research she's done in it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then from the shower, what's the next step? <laughs> the next step? The next step is definitely looking for full immersion in cold water. And let's talk about why that's important. So if you think about conduction of heat, right? Being able to zap heat out of you creates the biggest stress response and water does that, right? If you've ever gone into a cold pool with your toe, foot, ankle, you know how incredibly uncomfortable that is. And it's because the water zaps the heat out of you quicker. And so when you do full water immersion, not only do you get the heat zapped out of you faster, you create space for your body to do what it was made to do functionally faster, right? It's going to shunt the cold blood to the extremities. It's going to help you breathe deeper, create more heat during the, the torso and the brain. And, and you want to do that as a workout, right? So full water immersion does that a lot better because of the fact that it does 
conduct heat a lot of a lot more efficient than it than the air would do, like cryotherapy. Uh, and anecdotally for me, like hey, if cryotherapy is all that you have access to, great. But if you can get into some cold water, be it a lake, right, river, or if you're in Southern California, get a couple of friends and family members, pitch in for a hundred gallon horse trough, and everyone brings ice every Saturday, kind of thing. And then once you get in there, you'll realize the benefits day one, the first exposure, how you feel afterwards. And that's another reason why I loved Wim. I loved his perspective on these tools is his, his broken record about these tools is feeling is believing. Yes. Right? Like as soon as you feel the benefits of breath work, as soon as you feel the benefits of cold exposure, there's no turning back. Right? I agree. And that's after like the first couple sessions. Like it's not like a long-term thing and then I need to see adaptation to it. And that's why it was so exciting for me to have that workshop here mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago with, those, with the guys. Yeah. And, and go through the breath work, and expose them to cold water because, you know, a lot of talk hearing me, you know, bend in their ears for a long time about this the benefits and why you should do it. And really was, at the time it was probably more cold water mm-hmm. talk and then realizing that the breath work is really important. And yeah. that was like, for me, it was like, you guys, you have no idea. The breath work's going to blow you out of water. That was right. amazing to see. Not only that, but, you know, working with people for as long as I have, you know, posture, body language is a big thing. It was amazing to see the group of, of gentlemen that showed up and the group of gentlemen that left afterwards. It was night and day. Absolutely. Just about what, what they held to be important or what they were worried about or what they thought they would gain from this. It, it became a tighter group of individuals afterwards. And like you mentioned, everyone comes for the ice, but everyone leaves with the aha around breath. Yes. Right. And to see, I mean, a couple of them were even saying like, you must live with me because you understand the stressors that I'm going through. And what I tell individuals, like you're, what you're battling is individual. It's you, but there's a lot of commonalities in the stressors we all come against. And that's where these tools come in. That's yes. how powerful these tools can be is you might be walking a to- totally different storyline, but your body's reaction to stress is very similar across the board. And there's a, there's kind of a guideline in terms of what the water temperature should be for benefit, the most benefit. Yeah. And, and I, t- and I tell people like there is the, the science backed aspect yes. of it, right? Being, I think right now it's anything under 60 degrees or 62 degrees. 59. Oh, 59. That's what I've heard. Would be considered cold water immersion. What I tell people is you want to get into a temperature where you're like, wow, this is cold and I don't want to be here. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Like that's, that's cold enough. So if for me today, that's 59, right? If for you, that's 42. Awesome. But that's also very individualized and we can talk. I mean. And there's tolerance we gain. I mean. Not only that, bone density, fat, you know, your body type also has a lot to do with it, right? If you're uh, an ultra marathoner or if you're a lineman in the NFL, like your tolerance to cold because different. of body is going to be very different. And I think you brought up earlier, but it's kind of hit on a little bit. It's time of day, you know, it varies in individuals. Yes. Like for my wife to do it at night, we talked about that, to have that cold exposure at night is it's, the shock is too much. Yeah. And for me, it actually helps me slow down and end the day. Yeah, because my body temperature, my core temperature drops with that, and and then it kind of regulates once I get out, and I just feel my overall body temperature is lowered mm-hmm. to go to bed. Yeah, and I mean that came from testing, though, right? You wouldn't yes. have known unless you tried it. And so, for a lot of times, even with the breathwork patterns and 
cold water immersion times during the day. You need to try. I mean, that's the best thing you can do is take a cold shower in the morning, take it in the afternoon, take it at night for a week. Which time do you feel the best, right? Well, they both work for me. I like the morning too. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, th- that's one of the best ways to wake up. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. I'm always doing a cold shower in the morning for sure. Um, I did some immersion uh, last couple of weeks in the morning. It's just an amazing way to wake up, start the day, do something hard right away. Yeah. Check um, that box. It's better than a cup of coffee, in my opinion. You won't even need your cup you of don't, coffee. You absolutely don't need that. Like, it. Was, it was like, actually, I wanted to have my coffee in there. Yeah, exactly. Know, in a sense, but it, it just, it, it really just focuses our mind in a place that we've never been. Um, it pushes blood in places we never, blood and oxygen in places mm-hmm. we never really typically don't push blood. That's why I like the sauna and the cold water. Those both mm-hmm. are pushing blood and oxygen in places that we normally don't push it. Yeah. And, there's only benefits. Oh, there's, there's tons of benefits. And it's something that uh, doesn't take a high skill to develop in order to get the benefits from, right? It's exposure training, right? And so it's, I'm just sitting next to you in a sauna, right? And I'm trying to control my breath and control my mind and the self-talk. And the health benefits will come as a byproduct of the practice. Right? Yeah. And then the cold water, I've just gotten to a place where I've, you know, lately because of the plunge I've been getting in a 30 degree water, and I actually, I like 30-degree water. Yeah. I mean, 40, 50 doesn't feel the same Yeah, and that, But that came over time. It came right? over they time, came absolutely. Over time. absolutely. And, and so the great thing about that is think of it as like dosing, right? The colder or the hotter the environment, the less time you need to be in there yes. to get the stress response to occur, right. right? And the whole goal is to, you know, to know that you're okay to build that self-awareness and to use the tools to calm yourself down. Yeah. And so that's the, the mental benefit a lot of, around a lot of the environmental uh, training. So the things we talked about today, you know, we really talked about three main tools, mm-hmm. really. And that's um, the cold water. We talked about movement. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was... The breath work. Breath work. Right. And I think those are key. Those are very simple practices, but have complexity involved in each one of them. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you gave us tools today of how to start and that there's opportunity to grow that. You don't have to stop there. You can keep going. You can keep, you say, progressing with mm-hmm. that. And we learn over time what's going to work and what doesn't work. And I think that's important. And then I think part of that is, just, you know, what I wanted to get through a little bit is that, you know, the seven pillars I talked about. And then... You know, we talked about gut health. That's mm-hmm. one of my pillars. So I think that, you know, talking today, that's one of the pillars we're dealing with. Uh, we talked about vascular health, mm-hmm. cold water. I think breath work both. They both. Uh, they both work on the vascular health. We talked about mental and spiritual health. Mm-hmm. You know, these both bring you to a place of calmness. Yes. Our mental health is in a better state, we're more present. So that's really important. The overall physical health, I think, is, is a byproduct of all of this. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about what happens when we're not dealing with it. Yeah, the negative physical health that we have. So it's really, and then we talked about nutrition, mm-hmm. the value of that, where that brings it in, into the space too. So it's, all these are important. And then the one that we didn't really talk about, well, we can talk about later some other time, is detox. Mm-hmm. Is again, I feel like all of these pull into this stress mm-hmm. and help battle it. I mean, it's almost like these seven pillars are the armor to stressors. Mm-hmm. And we just need to help people understand there's tools out there that we can control that we have control over that can bring relief to all of this. Yeah. And all you need to do is start to put them into practice. 
And so when it comes around like breath work and cold exposure and exercise, you know, the first thing, because a lot of the people I work with are entrepreneurs or their parents. And so the one feedback I get is I don't have enough time. Like I just don't have enough time to do it. And what I remind them is the season of life you're in right now is not the last season. It's not your college years where we can spend a hour and a half in the gym or maybe not a 60 minute breath session, but to find times in your day during transitions to do that. So what I mean by that is before work, after work, pickups, drop offs, like anytime that you're transitioning from one activity or task to another, you can do something, right? Be it walking to pick up your mail or maybe grab a cup of coffee in the morning and walk until the coffee's done. There's your exercise. Yeah. And I, I learned early on, like my, we were in our cars a lot here. Yeah. And so driving to and from work Perfect. is a big capture of time. Mm-hmm. And so I turned my vehicle into university. Mm-hmm. So when I'm driving home from work, it, I was learning mm-hmm. something through via audio book or podcast or something, but I was educating myself. It became a university. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it versus that stress of driving home and being home on time for dinner and, and just the traffic and the challenges of just driving around here. Yeah. It, it became a different environment, different perspective for me. And it changed my whole view of driving home. Yeah. I actually looked forward. To, I, mean, I look forward to it anyway. I'm going home to my family, but the actual drive perspective change because I'm gaining, some, I'm getting something out of it versus it driving without it. It was like takes or takes it, takes it from, mm-hmm. you know, it almost changed my, and the other thing too is for me is that initial walking in the door, I want to be present. Yes. And if I walk in the door with the stressors of the day, I'm not present. And that's why one of the big things that I preach, especially around the driving is a, one of the times that I practice my breath work, right? Because breath work for me is a great tool for me to kind of step away from my stressors of the day. Yeah. Right? I, I use the term down regulator, down shift, like if you're a stick shift in a car. And so the number one time for me that was is when I would pull up to the driveway, I would turn off the car and I would do the breath work right mm-hmm. there, right? Two to five minutes doesn't need to be a long time. But what that does is it slows me down from the go, go, go of the day so that I could be at the same pace of where I want my home to be, right? right? For me, my home is a safe environment. Exactly. And there's a pace to that, right? And so that's where I would practice breath work. Or for others, right, if you have a longer commute, anytime you're doing something where you're not too or overly focused. Now, you should be focused while you're driving. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you could be doing some box breathing while you're driving, right? You, I, I've got three kids. I, I do laundry and dishes every day. That's when I practice my breath work. So I don't need to find these extra times to do it. Playing with my kids at the park, that's my physical activity, right? A cold shower at the end of the day, that's the cold shower. I'm not looking for more time to improve my overall mental and physical health. I'm just implementing these simple tools in the fabric that's already happening. Right. And then just real quick is we've talked about breath work a lot Mm -hmm. is where would people go to understand the tools of how to do breath work. So there's a lot of tools out there. There are a lot of tools out there. And one of the things that I want everyone to take away today listening to this is if you're looking to get into breath work, just know that there are a lot of patterns out there, right? A lot of tactics uh, around breathing. And what I want you to understand is breathing, how you breathe can also induce both a fight or flight response or a relaxed response, right? Or a rest and digest response. Why is that important? I, I can tell you through a quick story. Um, I, I got an email many years ago 
with someone suffering from sleep. Like they didn't get good sleep. They right. couldn't fall asleep. They couldn't turn off their brain, which I could definitely relate to. And what the problem was, they told me that, hey, a, a friend of mine who, who's worked with you in the past said, I should be doing this pattern for this long and that would help me fall asleep. And what it did was it kept me up all night. Mm. Like I couldn't fall asleep. Right. And once we dug a, lot, a little bit deeper, we realized that, hey, Rob, they, they told me to do a five-second box breath. And I asked them, like, can you explain to me what box breathing is? First off, because I want to make sure they understand what the pattern is. Yeah, okay. And you didn't feel relaxed? No, I, f- I felt like I was ready to work out. I was like, okay, so there's an arousal response. And, and they, we dug a little deeper, and they didn't understand why. And so by putting them through a quick CO2 tolerance assessment test, what we realized was their CO2 tolerance was around 10 seconds. As in, if they held their breath for 10 seconds, they would start to feel like, I need to breathe. That's an arousal response, right? If you've ever hold your breath and you get to a point where I need to breathe, that's an arousal response. So for this individual with a 10-second score of like, hey, I can only hold my breath for 10 seconds, and they were doing a five-second box breath, that's a 20-second breath hold, right? That's what was inducing the breath response. So all that means is to understand that with all the patterns that are out there, you need to try them out before implementing them in emergency settings, right? Like I need to go to sleep or I'm about to give uh, a sales pitch or a public speaking engagement and I need to relax. Make sure you've tried those patterns away from that to make sure that's inducing the response you're looking for before implementing it when you need it. So do the patterns work? Yes, but they may not work for you like they work for another person. Like we talked about earlier, right? Exercise the same way, cold exposure, time, duration, temperature is the same way. So your introduction to breathwork should be first and foremost mechanics, right? Learn to nasal breathe as much as you can. Make sure you do what I call barrel breathing, right? You want to be breathing 360 degrees. You want to think of your torso as a huge bladder. Right. That's how you want to be breathing. Once we get the mechanics down, then the patterns are more effective, right? If the mechanics are not there, you can do a bunch of patterns and, and get some type of benefit from it, but it may not be the most beneficial to you. And some of that, they can go like on Wim Hof's webpage to get Wim, the patterns. Wim Hof's uh, webpage. Um, I'm a big fan of Oxygen Advantage okay. as well as a protocol. Um, a lot of it has to do with mechanics as well. So I would definitely turn people to those two okay. to start off with as far as like your breathwork journey. And just understand if you just Google breathwork or go to YouTube and breathwork, everyone's going to have their slice of the pie, yes. so to speak. But just understand that, A, I need to build some awareness of how I'm breathing, right? How... I'm breathing the patterns, the timing, the mechanics, so that whatever I choose later on, I'm getting the most benefit from. Right. What do you see or what are you excited about in the future of this wellness space as we move forward? I, I really do believe we're kind of, and I use the analogy because it's Southern California, right? We're in front of the wave. Like I, I, I feel this big wave of access and knowledge is starting to come. And I, I think there's also a bigger being open yes. to these alternative practices around self-care and, and health. I think the word alternative is the wrong word. Yeah. I don't, for, I don't think it's alternative. No, I think it's, it's, it's almost the base. Yeah. I mean, it should be where we're focused first. And then if we are challenged still after you're in that space, then Western medicine can come alongside of it. Um, I think that's the value too of these two spaces is 
you know, I really feel like the, the wellness and Eastern space should be our initial attack or self-defense. Mm-hmm. And then the Western is there as a, as a safeguard mm-hmm. really to help us. There is a space for it, but to use that as the first of defense, I think is a challenge. And so I agree with you. I think it's going to get louder mm-hmm. and you brought up that people are, they're exploring it. I think people are actually seeking it more. Yes. Um, there's more availability, like you say, out there, there's people doing, there's all these practices. That's why I want to do this platform is to help people aware what's out there. There's so much out there. There's so much benefit, but how do we make people aware so that they can seek it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part from my journey was finding these along the way. Mm-hmm. And I would work with this practitioner, this therapist, and then I'd learn about this. Mm-hmm. And again, keep going on and on and on. And it's just like this constant ability to be in this university of wellness mm-hmm. and explore and learn and and again doing small things and seeing how we benefit from them because that is ultimately the motivator yeah i mean it's not the motivator the motivator for me is being present for my family and my friends and my coworkers and things but really it's the more we do it the more we're looking at we're going to be in a better space mm-hmm. and then that, that, i'm not even talking about yeah about how that affects our really our health terms of minimizing disease and also helping us with as we age Mm -hmm. because that's another whole component of this is how we age Mm -hmm. and and doing these things is gonna i I believe i mean i've watched testimony but for myself i believe it's gonna i'm gonna benefit tremendously from it yes and i think i share with you is because i've been on this journey i've always feared of i've had this fear for a long time of turning 50 Mm -hmm. i'm turning 48 in a couple weeks Actually, when this comes out, it'll be the day I turn 48. Um, but I, through this journey and learning everything I've learned, I'm actually excited about turning 50. I can see what I look like at 50. I have a vision of that, mm-hmm. both physically, mentally, and spiritually. And I know I have tools now to get me there. Yeah. You know, and so it's a very different perspective. Before I was digging my heels in, I don't want to go there. It's over. Now I'm like, no, it's not over. It's actually better. And because of these tools and these things you're practicing, you're going to be way better moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes something you look forward to. Yeah. Right. You know, and I think that's very, very important. Yeah. You know, um, with your practice, mm-hmm. your workshops, you work with a lot of people. How, what's the best way for people to find you? Um, I'm very active on Instagram. Uh, the reason being is I put my kids down at night, so I answer all my direct messages at night. Um, and I feel that's uh, kind of the platform that I'm spending the most time on right now. I do have a big push on YouTube coming out. And it's because I think all these resources, a majority of them should be free. I think they just should be taught to you how to do them safely uh, and to get the most benefits from it. So those are the two platforms. It's Ask Robert VDH, um, I believe on both. But if you just look me up and if you're, Questioning my background, if you just Google me, I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll see everything that I've done or I continue to do. Uh, but those are the best ways to get a hold of me. I do have a website, robvdh.com, where you can kind of learn a little bit about my journey uh, and what I do. But um, if you really want to reach out, and like I said, I'm transparent. If you have a question, just ask. If I don't right. know, I will tell you. But I have enough resources and other practitioners, like you mentioned, I can forward you to the right person. Right. Um, but don't let the fear of reaching out stop you from learning these tools. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's ultimately being willing to be vulnerable to say, I need help. Yeah. And I think that's another thing we really didn't hit on today is that people need to 
realize that we're all challenged with this. I mean, the more we talk about this, the more we realize that we're all dealing with this mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. Like that workshop we did that night in mm -hmm. my house. I mean, everybody had a challenge, whether it was a physical challenge, a stress challenge, a mental health challenge. It was all these challenges. And so I think the more we realize that, the more we can be vulnerable, the more we can be willing to try these things and, and move forward yes. in a better way. I agree. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate the time. This hey, is great. Thank you um, for the opportunity. Kicking ha this off. Happy early birthday when this comes yeah, yeah, out, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good one. Yeah. You know, launch this on my birthday. I can't wait. That's awesome, man. All right, bud. Thank Congratulations. you. Thanks. I look forward to this ride and encourage you to come along. Hold on.